This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Love never lasts, you just carry on. There was this girl and she was kind of, she looked like she'd been crying and she said, I just broke up with my boyfriend and you just helped me. I don't understand it, but you have found a way to celebrate heartache. She said, because of what you just sang, I get it. I'm supposed to cry through it. I'm supposed to say, hell yeah, it hurts. And that's how that song by Bonnie Raitt has resonated with me. Welcome to Y-Tunes Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield, and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y Tunes Shuffle. In three, <laughs> two, sound speed, one. Welcome to the, another episode of Y Tunes Shuffle. I'm your host, Maggie Mayfield, <laughs> with my co host, David Earl Waterman, aka Hollywood's secret weapon. Top secret weapon. <laughs> and we're really excited about today's guest, Alex DeLerma. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Alex. I love being with somebody named David Earl Waterman. Well, that's like one. This has been like the obsession but, but that I want to find, that's, that's find out where his 30 out six is with the scope. <laughs> ah, never. Should, never. If comedy didn't work out, yeah. You could have had a career in... Uh, see, now, can I say... Yes. See, now, if I say you could have had a career in mass shootings, <gasps> someone hears that, Yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now, right? I know. Yeah, I would, I would agree that that and probably I, I, might be and to ag- some. And again, now that I just said that, somebody else listened to it went, oh, so he's saying it's wrong that they, that they shit can Roseanne. I'm not. I'm not. Because that's a whole... Yeah, that was horrible what she said. But uh, there's other little things that I I see, I hear, I read, I hear my students talk about, and I'm like, uh, when we uh, uh, back in my day, like <laughs> well, there was a clear distinction between I'm joking. Well, it, I really don't. Think here's the he's change: a serial killer, and I don't really don't think he because no. he has three names. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you don't know who's going to take a joke, but there's absolutely no reason for any kind of comedian or artist to fret whatsoever because we no longer have a norm. There isn't a level of expectations that standards and practices has to abide by. Remember George Carlin with the seven words you can't say on TV? Right. That TV mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. That's Maybe there's true. a segment of an audience that wants that TV and watches that TV, but it's no longer relevant because... There's all these different public media outlets where you can say shit, piss, fuck, ah. cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits <laughs> y- yes. and not have a problem. Yeah. That's true. So you can say whatever you want because yes. you will have an audience that will respect and like. I like serial killer jokes. I like pussy jokes. I like good Christian humor. And there's right. enough people to go around and it's segmented. So in our quest to find a norm, it's it's uh, it's just not worth the time and effort. Give me another coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but you know my <clears throat> and I'm sorry but your your world fascinates me so can we just talk about the my fear oh, why, if, of course my <laughs> <laughs> the world of podcasting stand up what do you what do you no, mean about Earl? comedy and uh-huh. stand up yeah. and you know uh but my that's true now you can say those words mm-hmm. but my fear is that after Carlin and Pryor and, and and God I'm not an authority on comedy you guys are but but after they you know, sort of like 
cleared all the, you know, all the brush and went, hey, man, don't freak out if I say some some really dark humor or something. Uh, and then for decades, it, it's cool. And if somebody sort of says, hey, I heard that joke she said, and that's that that person didn't get it. And that person was a nut. Mm. But now it's uh, those people have a voice. They perception becomes reality. People are like, yeah, maybe comedians shouldn't be saying, come on, you guys know that mm -hmm. the whole college comedy scene is completely right. This is Maggie's right? department. I'm sketch comedy mostly, so my stuff is kind okay, of couched true, in a true, lot true, of stuff. True. So but Maggie would be better on this. You know, I mean, obviously, you and I are of a, a, a different generation, but anyway, that's what I view now because when I was a little kid, I witnessed that transition that he's talking about from. That the Carlin, who was like this revolutionary and prior and all that, right. and where it went, it was so exciting. And now it's gone to where I, I love watching like uh, Seinfeld's uh, yeah. uh, Coffee with Comedians, Comedians and in cars. cars, and they talk about it uh, that that uh, the college scene. It's so PC. Forget about it. But and these it, are it, also the kids that were raised in a world where like you can't go outside and play. Like you can't yes. wait for mom to yell, "Hey, it's Did time for dinner!" You know, like yeah, yeah. Did I like, you like that? It's okay. <laughs> guys. Sorry, honey. You too. <laughs> you too. Movement. So they they grew up in this world of like helicopter parenting, where they've always had someone to watch out for them, and yes. it's transitioned into. I think so. Transitioned okay. into college where. Oh, we're spending all this money, you know, we have to be careful about. And unfortunately, with shootings like in northern Illinois and Virginia Tech, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, Columbine was like the first one, but that's when, right. I hate to say it, but the ball kind of got rolling. So everyone's so protective. <laughs> yeah. And when, <clears throat> you know, comedians <clears throat> should be able to make jokes about whatever it is that they know like you write what you know right and when you know sexual assault even if it's from a first person point of view they don't they don't want to expose their students to that because they also live that all the time they don't want to hear jokes about guns because they live right. that all the time so it's just this weird like right. protective well do you think the same way as a filmmaker alex i mean you you create you work with actors mm -hmm. you're a, you're you're not only a creative but mm -hmm. you're also an educator so you're wearing a couple of different hats yeah is your field as a filmmaker as a teacher is it is it different now do you have to control your actors and and prepare them just as much as their behavior off stage as on stage as a filmmaker you definitely you got to know your audience. So if you're making a movie, it's okay. You can you can be out you you can be I guess controversial. You can do anything you want, especially if it's an independent film. You just have to know who your audience is because the people that don't want to see let's let's see see I, I I was about to make this joke about you know a you movie can. that movie that would yeah but then what people hear it and then they they put something on it. And then what happens is they Take put it, it up on some type of blog. And, and then all of a sudden, when somebody does a search on you, all of a sudden you're connected to, oh, he thinks that movies about pyromaniacs are funny. Or that we should have more pyromaniacs. You know, that's the thought police on the left and right. That's right. I said left and right. Mm -hmm. I caught that. <laughs> I caught that. Yeah. I heard that. the left, not just the left. Because during the... the, the uh, during the oh, why am I going political? I am not going to do this. I'm going to wrap this up by just saying it's up to you, yeah. man. It's no, what you want to you know, do. Not because what... I I constantly tell myself, you know, like um, uh, that's not say it in your movie. 
Yeah. Okay. And and, and 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 there's songwriters, and there are movie stars, and I think they have every right to go ahead and beat their drum. God bless them. And I admire that they are so brave to do that. On the other hand, my personal preference is I'd like to see that in a movie and or a song and make some films with more depth mm. and social conscience instead of, uh, and believe me, I'm a comic book freak. I love, you know, all the comic book movies and all that, but I'm sorry, there were a higher percentage of big mainstream movies that uh, were entertaining, but at the same time talked about something Mm-hmm. Of substance, so the filmmakers educating and entertaining at the same time. So, with your film, <clears throat> that uh, your most recent film, and there are fear, a bunch love, of love and agoraphobia. And what fear, fear love, love, and agoraphobia? I'm sorry, fear, fear love, love, and agoraphobia. Get it on iTunes. Now. Did you Google get Play, any Amazon too? How many awards did this thing win? Thousands. Yeah, <laughs> it won awards. Yeah. It won, baby. So many. So many awards. Any backlash from people suffering from agoraphobia? And why? No, Tell us how this title they, came about. They dug the... it. They okay. dug it. And said, thank you for, I know I go off on tangent. You were saying, do filmmakers have to worry about that? Not about this whole, you know, the thought police from the left or the right. Not really, because you make a movie, somebody, I don't know anybody that watches a movie without at least reading the description. Mm-hmm. And then they go... Oh, it's it's about pyromaniacs and how wonderful they are. No, I don't want to see, yeah. you know, fear, love, and pyromania. That sounds too violent. Oh, there's sex in it. No, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? That's that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's uh, enough audience That's fine. To but in comedy clubs and things, you know, mm-hmm. you're safe. You're in sketch comedy, right? I don't see anybody who sh- does a video of you and then boom. But comedians? The thing is, like, my safe spot is, like, I always do it from a place of love. You know what I mean? Hmm. I'm not going to talk about something I, I hate. Right. You know what I mean? Because then I'm pre- just like that angry, stupid bitch on stage. It's like, right. But I just think <gasps> you hate- she said angry, stupid bitch. She hates women. I I, hate I, I think that that <laughs> if you're if if you're going to take a stand in a public forum today, there are so many micro public forums with social media that do yeah. gather some kind of a following. Yeah. <clears throat> you have to be really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely little or no room for like alliteration, specifics, and you craft that message mm-hmm. in a way that you can defend every syllable of what it is that you're saying. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And that's how we're going to see the Maggie yeah. Mayfields continue to rise to the top if we're good at what we do. Right. I am not good at what I do, so I kind of stay not, in the that's shadows. Not true at all. That's not right. Well, I, you are I'm so authentically for... you, unapologetically so. See, that, that's that, that, almost that. like my brother saying, you're, you know, you're really, you're an asshole, but you're authentic. You're authentic <laughs> I think that's asshole. important, though, well, because the people that are close to you yeah. at least know that your a holistness comes from a place of And love. if your love. sketch comedy yeah. doesn't work out, you've got the three-name thing, so you, you could become a, you know. It's in the bag. You could become a serial killer. With the rest of the heads in the bag. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> the heads in the so, bag. So, quickly, too, I, you wanted to touch on... The Cinema Gym, which sounds like the coolest place to go hang out. And you teach oh. there, you work there. Is that your yeah, I, studio? Yeah, I, in addition to being a filmmaker and having a loop group and all that, I teach uh, directing and, and, and acting. And I taught um, at UCLA Extension for many years. And shortly after I started there, I invented and created my own studio, my own class in Burbank. I only do voice acting now, but I used to be an actor-actor. Oh. 
Wow. For anybody who's listening, you know, that doesn't know biz, actors are always, uh, serious actors, in my opinion, are always either in a play or they're in class. Why are they in class? They already know how to act. They're in a workshop, a class. It's just to keep your, your, you know, your stuff sharp. That would be like a comedian who would just like go like a few months without doing stand-up. Oh, like, oh my God, that would be horrible Yeah. when you came back on stage. And acting is so difficult because a prize fighter at least knows when the fight is coming. So, okay, I'm going to train for a few months and blah, blah, blah. Actors have to constantly be working out mm. and because that big fight could come, could come in a year, could come in a week. You have to literally be sharp yeah. all the time. So I, as an actor, used to pay through the nose for classes, maybe didn't get as much time, one-on-one time with the instructor, all, all you know, the technology wasn't incorporated into it you know there were no cameras and and and, and all and i had already learned my craft on the stage at, mm-hmm. uh, at the south coast repertory uh, oh, acting wow. conservatory because the theater of course that's our foundation we mm-hmm. have to you know we ha- we we would like to basically start there and but at then a certain point if you if the uh technology is not introduced quickly enough that can that can be a difficult transition and it was for me not for everyone let me repeat because I run into this, you don't like theater. You don't think you need theater. Of course, we need theater. Absolutely. Um, but but if you're if you if your goal is to act for camera, that that's the big goal. Why would you continue year after year after year after uh, on stage? Right. Why wouldn't you transit? Why would you wait until you get a job on camera? Because what happens is <clears throat> when you go to these auditions, like when I audition actors, I can totally tell. I see somebody walk into the room and immediately they're they're just, there's a different energy Mm -hmm. when they're with the machine. Mm -hmm. And I could just, I could smell it on them. Mm. And I'm like, ah, what a shame. I can't use this guy. I don't want him to get comfortable on camera on my movie. Mm -hmm. I need somebody who's ready right now. Like, eh, okay, there's the lens, no big deal. Mm -hmm. And I was that guy, not with comedy, but with drama. Mm -hmm. I was that guy. You need both. And so I created the Cinema Gym to be affordable, practical, and effective through the use of technology. Because I, I was like, they don't know how they're doing it in Hollywood. This is the way you should do it. And then when I created this format, I went, oh, it's a great format, but it's not a good business model. <laughs> so yeah. I went, uh, I'm getting paid, but not really, not really what I'm worth. Yeah. So I had to decide, okay, if I'm going to teach, am I going to am I going to go ahead and go with it? And and I'm not knocking any of my old coaches or any of the wonderful places in town that are doing business, but truth be told, uh the, their format is based on two things. First and foremost, to educate and train the actor to the best of their ability, and they have to cram as many students as they can in there mm-hmm. they have to come up with a format that's going to make sense that is going to make them money mm-hmm. and i'm i'm okay with that i'm totally okay it's expensive with that. to live here mm-hmm. man and to. then you have to lease a space and yeah. blah 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 so my heart goes out to him but i wanted to be this guy that you know i'm in the establishment with the ucla extension but over here i got my little cinema gym i only allow eight actors max they see the price and go oh my god what mm-hmm. how's this guy making any money but i i do and it's it's uh, it's cool, and we have directors, and I mash up the actors and directors. I'll shut up about this now. No, that no, was no, my no. Good stuff. my big thing was let's put the technology in there with the actors. Let's put actual directors in, wow. because directors. When I went to directing, I I said to a friend, where, "Now where do I go to work out?" 
mm-hmm. now that I've made my first feature film and yeah. and uh, they're like, what are you talking about? You wait until you somebody gives you money or you find money and you write a script. And I go, that could take a year, mm-hmm. maybe more. I'm, and then I'm supposed to make this thing. I'm going to be rusty as hell because I have that thing from as an actor that you always are in a play or you always are in class like a comedian you are always writing you are always on stage mm-hmm. or for sketch like imagine this brilliant three named man <laughs> that's me <laughs> go on go on go on so i am done preaching <laughs> i am done preaching that sounds to like the cinnamon, yeah no the you're clearly very gym. passionate about it i am passionate how old were you when how <laughs> alexander how old were you when you started to realize that performance and theater and art were a thing for you. Did, 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 where did you grow up, really? I grew up in the Salinas Valley. Salinas Valley. It's in Monterey County. Middle mm-hmm. of California. And if you've read any Steinbeck novels, mm-hmm. East of Eden, The Red Pony, all these little agricultural communities, I, I grew up and hopped around from from them. And, and you, you, yeah, and, and, and it was very small. It was Mayberry, kind of. Okay.-esque. But you moved around a lot? Between those little farming communities why but it was in the same place as a kid your family oh my you know because my parents maybe had work in one little town and then you know what did they do my dad stepdad but i consider him my father uh he was a welder and a mechanic and just different things and my mom did different you know they both came from farming families and uh, maybe that's why they settled there that would make so sense. So it was a great place. Yeah. As a kid, I thought, oh, this is boring as crap. Uh-huh. Now I'm so glad I grew up there and I didn't grow up in L.A. Name everybody in your family when you were 14, living in the house that you lived in. <laughs> By name, mother, father, Joe, siblings. Joe, Roberto, Rachel, Lucy, Luis. Big family? Yeah, it was a big family. Six. I'm number six. Wow. Yeah, wow. it was a little accident that came along. <laughs> yeah. Big family. Uh-huh. And all together still like around. Oh, and then there was four stepchildren, too. What? I, yeah. We were the dysfunctional Brady Bunch. I can relate. Yeah. I can totally relate yeah. my family, too. You have a big family? Yeah, and it's all mixed up, you know, because it was like, you know, Daryl and Barbara got married and had Danny, David, Michelle, you know, as the middle. Then they divorced, and Mom married Big Billy Herndon, who had three of his own Big kids. Big Billy Herndon. Then they had another kid. Do you so. and Big Billy Herndon go out shooting? Herndon, Big Billy Herndon. You guys? No, Big Billy. Big <laughs> Billy Herndon like another is, uh, is an R and B musician and a uh, a caterer, uh, and Ooh, he his he, specialty he is soul could food. Be a musician, yeah. Is, yeah with his, that name, his his uh, his uh, specialty is soul food. Ooh. He no longer graces the planet. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, short life. Interesting life. But did he live it to the fullest? I would say, yeah, absolutely. Because I think most people who come to L.A. from somewhere else, that's what we're all trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. But you're from California. You're yeah. a California guy. Yep. But he's not from L.A. Salinas. No. Yeah, Salinas is different. Yeah. Salinas Valley. And, and, it's, and it's, believe me, if you went there, mm-hmm. it, so it's dad's Aggie, a welder. Aggie Town, Aggie Town, yeah. Dad's a welder, mom. Uh, she did different things. She different was a things. cashier. She worked at the uh, the, the the plant. There was How this, do you, you know, get into acting? How did that happen? I started performing in class. School. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like. It's the middle uh, of science class and you're like. Oh, I was. To be ki- or not to be. <laughs> Bunsen burner, please. Yeah. French, Romans, countrymen, let me is. <laughs> I come in to Barry season not to praise him. Shut up, Alex. Sit down and do your arithmetic. I see. I, can't, I don't understand I fractions. Coming. I see it coming. It's very strange. First play you ever did? Uh, no, no, a million times no. It was a melodrama. Oh. And I was the villain. No, I wasn't the villain. 
I was the good guy. No, 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 never no. No, 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 no a million times no is a musical melodrama. First play. And it's the villain had the big curly mustache. And I feel like every guy today should be in that just because of the title. <laughs> <laughs> no means no, no, no a, a million, million times, times no. no. Me too. I, me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. Well, I'm so excited to dive into your music. This, can we I go? can't wait. Can we go? Wait. You and I have to go out shooting. Yeah, we do. <laughs> he keeps mentioning shooting a lot. That is strange. All right, here is song. I'm fascinated with his name. <laughs> song number one. Number one. called the brave kind and they are sisters two sisters and the song is called dogs dogs and this this uh yeah they're from ventura california they're uh they're not local but you know ventura's like an hour away and they are freaking brilliant as in as is the um, matt van winkle band who also has music in my movie these ladies uh generously allowed us to use this song as the final song in my movie. It's very cool. And I'm telling you, people, when they get to the end of my movie, tears. Is that what you wanted your audience to do? Tears are rolling down their face. I'm not going to tell you if that's a happy tear or a sad tear, but I am telling you, uh, seriously, I hate self-promoting, but Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia, my first feature. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I, didn't, I didn't let a lot of people see my first, my first feature, Alvarez and Cruz, because it's your first feature. <clears throat> but then after many, many, many short films and directing com- you know, cable commercials and, and web series and shorts, and mm-hmm. now my second feature, I'm so proud of Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia and these ladies for uh, this song, Dogs, which is so touching at the end of the film. And uh, I will say there's a hopeful ending. How did you meet them? Or how did my you come lead, across the song? My lead actor, uh, Dustin Coffey, who is a very, very talented actor, <clears throat> and one of my students for probably like 10, 11 years now. Oh, wow, yeah. Yep, that's how the movie came about. He uh, he uh, knew uh, several musicians in Ventura, and he, uh, he would say, hey, what do you think of this? You know, what kind of music are you going to use? I go, I don't know. He's like, listen to this. Not there yet. I go, oh my God, this is amazing. And then he would bring me in. I think out of all the artists he brought me, four, I said yes to three. Wow. And this is the lead. Is this the one with the uh, agoraphobia? Dustin Coffey is the guy that plays the agoraphobic man who's trapped in his house with his mommy for 10 years okay. after graduating high school. He doesn't go outside. Mm-hmm. 
And agoraphobia is the fear of being out in a public place. It's a real thing, but usually movies treat it sort of like it's used as like a punchline in a comedy or it's like a horror film like uh, yeah. a house she bought has demons, but she can't escape because she has agoraphobia. You know, so yeah. um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, uh, I, I wanted to make, uh, I wanted to make something that was entertaining and engaging, but also it had something to say. And a lot of people have said, oh my God, I never, I never knew about the agoraphobia stuff. I thought that was about spiders. I'm like, no, that's mm-hmm. arachnophobia. All right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Different disorder. Love it. Is the film. That's my sequel, by the way. In, in this particular song. <clears throat> it is. Fear, love, and arachnophobia. Uh, hell yeah, man. You got a winner. You go with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be the guy that does the phobia guy. You're the phobia guy? I'm going to do 10 phobia movies. You are, Seriously, you already have this planned out? No. Okay. Oh, that would be a great idea. I know. Well, I was really excited. What, what's, 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 the, um, what's the mechanics and the soul and the emotion going on inside of you when, when this song gels for you? Like, what, what, can you, is, is it, was it like divine intervention kind of thing? Or did this song take you somewhere? I like sometimes I'll put music attempt music when I'm editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very independent, low budget film, and I'm not ashamed to say that. And like some people say, don't say that, because then they think it's not going to be a good movie. And I'm like, no, it's important that I say that yeah. because there are other filmmakers out there across the country that think you can't get distributed, that you can't get a name actor in your movie. I have Lori Petty in my movie. She was a big mm-hmm. star in the early '90s. You yeah. know, she's still she works in, you know in television now. And uh, you can do it. And uh, technology has changed. And as Francis Ford Coppola said, when that technology was changing and he saw it coming with the outsiders and he started to use video and stuff, he said, this is great because this is the most expensive art form we've got is filmmaking. But now with the technology, some guy who's growing up in East L.A. or, you know, Somalia or whatever, like, hey, man, grab your phone, make a movie. And uh, yeah, it's hard. But anything worthwhile is hard. Yeah. That's the truth. We're not supposed to make it easy. It's hard. If it's worth anything, it's going to be hard. Get out there and do it. So anyway, to answer your question, uh, I put temp music in just so I sort of understand the tone of the scene, the, emo- mm-hmm. the emotional life of the scene. And, and uh, so then, 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 then I got to find music that I can afford because, yeah. you know, uh, Sting is not going to, you know, or Bono is not going to let me keep that temp. What? track <laughs> unless i give them more money than my movie cost mm. and so, this was a jackpot man i'm telling you yeah i am not just blowing smoke matt van winkle has most of the music in my movie it's like wall-to-wall matt van winkle band and if you were to say okay is it going to be paul simon or matt van winkle i love paul simon he's one of my favorite all-time artists ever i have every album he ever did matt van winkle wins yeah oh. Yeah, so he's a Ventura guy, too. Anybody out there, check him out, man. Could that closing scene... Fear, love, and agoraphobia, fear, love, and agoraphobia. Where you talked about how people were were crying. Yes. Um, Could another song have generated that? It wasn't the song. It was not the song. It's the actors. Okay. Uh, Because I'm always wondering about that. How how important is the music? Music is, for me, you you should be able to pull it off of it with as a filmmaker for something uh, emotional for for me for me to to have you grieve with me i should if i'm doing my job right i should be able to do it without the music mm. okay mm-hmm. the music is just the frosting the cake is the writing and the acting mm. but especially the emotional life 
that comes out from the actors as directed by the filmmaker. That's it. That's it. that's it, man. Got it. But then, but then you can really milk it with that right song, and it just adds so much. And I don't know, maybe I'm full of shit, but Mm-mm. I just think you know? we have a whole show based around that concept. Having so. <laughs> <laughs> said, let's get into song number two, shall we? Ah. I re-listened when I was trying to choose these songs for you guys. Yeah. I knew this would be one of the songs. Why? But it, where, does, where does it take you? Okay. Let's start there. Remember, I, I, I think off microphone we were talking about how you discover your music when you were a kid. Yeah. And, and for me, anyway, I didn't really have my own music right away. It was my mom's music and my, my two oldest brothers are like, they're so much older than me that they're like uncles, especially. <laughs> no, it's like the first one was like 10 or 11 years old. And um, so in the late 60s, well, like I'm a little, little kid, like, you know, my oldest brother's Joe is playing, you know, Beatles, you know, the last few Beatle albums. And my mom dug the Beatles, too, you know, and um, that song. So the Beatles are like, even though that's not quite that's not my generation. It ties me to my family. Yeah. Because they all of them. And then the albums would be handed down to the next sibling and the next sibling. And I wound up. <laughs> I still great. have all. No, did I sell them? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, but, but And then that song in particular, I am not going to say where we, we moved out of state. And we moved to this state, which I'm not going to say, because oh. when I say this, where this racism happened against us by a group of people, you would never guess. A million years. And when I would tell this story, people... You tease. You tease us. I'm a tease. Uh, People would... They didn't like hearing that this group was racist. And they would make excuses for this group. And it would drive me effing crazy. Because racism is racism. Exactly. So where you moved, there was a group of people who were racist, not the Beatles. Mexican-American kid who's just trying to Uh get along. Yeah. And uh, so I was so miserable. which side of the Mississippi? <laughs> so I was so miserable. <laughs> my brothers and sisters and I were so miserable. <clears throat> and even my mom in this place that we were stuck in economically. We had to be there for like almost two years. That you'll have no name. That's that she'll intense. have no name, yeah. And yeah. you know, also, I was like, it's Springfield, I really carried, United States. I carried, yeah, <laughs> I carried, I sort of carried that around even into adulthood. And I went, eh, I gotta let that go, man, because now I'm hating. Mm. I'm mm. putting the hate on them. Same. You know, coming from a place of love. Yeah, man. And so that song, it's getting better as a little kid mm-hmm. because I could always go, you know, when the grown-ups were, I could go into my mom's album collection or my brother's or whatever and I could put on one of their, you know, because I didn't have any albums of my own. And that I would play that song and it would make me happy and not so sad about, like, my whole class of kids, you know, chasing me yeah. home after school wanting to literally kill me. It was right out of a movie. Like, it was insane. Like, you know, that didn't happen every day, but that happened. Still, you know what time you know. it is? You... Do you know what time it is? Hmm. Oh. It's time for a Y-Tunes nugget. 
Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's because right. this is interesting to yes. me. I I because I have a I know how I found this song. Give me the nugget. All Here. right, the nugget is uh, the Sgt. Pepper album actually made pop history because it was the first album where the lyrics were printed on the back cover. Oh, Ooh, love and it! It was actually inspired by the Beach Boys and their album Pet, Pet Sounds. Sounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the uh, Sgt. Pepper was mm-hmm. the the we got to do something as good Isn't as the Beach Boys. Isn't that funny that the, the the Beach Boys inspired the Beatles? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And after it's so anyway, it's getting better all the time as a little kid. The whole I used to get mad in my school, mm-hmm. like because I was like, oh, I hate this school. I hate these. It was kids. written for you. Yeah. It was written for that you. part of it. I loved that. I and, get it. And in looking for this song, my favorite Beatles album used to be uh, the last one, Abbey Road. Ah, I love it. But when I, I was going through the tracks, I went. I never wanted to pick Sgt. Pepper's as my favorite Beatles album because it's almost like. Oh, you picked that, Sergeant Pepper. But it is good. Good for you. It is the best. Yeah. They're all great. But it, I went, I went down each song. The diversity of the songs and the musicianship. Mm-hmm. It's the best freaking song album in the world. They wrote that after they stopped <sighs> okay. touring, which is why it's probably so amazing because they really started experimenting yes. with sounds and dubbing. I, I, which actually George Harrison... No, I just know that. But George Harrison said it was actually the most boring album for him to record because it was a lot of Paul writing and he was just like, oh, we're going to put these pieces together and then George came in later and like dubbed. He yeah. said it was so boring. It's very much a Paul album. I had yeah. a wonderful uh, babysitter named Carol Alling, and they were a big family, the Alling, Alling family. In fact, Dana, her younger brother, was my age, and he was the one who inspired me to go into radio and then acting and so on oh, and so Oh, cool. Forth. And I remember Carol Alling bringing her high school yearbook and mm-hmm. showing us one night. She was babysitting. I got my yearbook, and she was sharing it with my brother and sister. And, I, and under her picture, she put the quote, I have to admit it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. And I was like, that's a really great thing. We were Isn't like having cool? a little fluff. Yeah. Then she told me, oh, that's not... F- that's a Beatles song. And then she went, she lived literally right across the lot from us, brought the album back over, and we played it. I'll never forget that. Wow. I, you know, isn't that cool? That's, that's a cool. Y-Tune shuffle I connection. Love, <laughs> uh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I normally am the guy who's the half, the, the, the glass half empty. But I like that that song makes me feel like it's going to be okay. Good. You know, with there all the crap that's happening right now, mm-hmm. and like, no people feel that at times we can we get so bombarded by all Bad this news. information yeah. that it feels like you know apocalypse. Mm. I can remember thinking as a little kid, "Oh my God, is the world going to end?" Like I'm I'm looking at TV with my my you know the the president is. He broke the law or something. I don't understand it. And there's these the terrorists and and there's uh, these long. There's no gasoline. Oh, did we run out of gasoline? How's that possible? How did that happen? Because I'm a little kid. I don't mm. understand any of it. But I just remember having that feeling of and listening to the adults and how my parents would talk. It was like it is now. Mm-hmm. They they it literally was like, but well, that's it. It's all gone to shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, yeah, I let's, just let's dig yeah. a bunker and uh, and but it, and now now when I look back, I go, hmm, I've been here before. It's it's going to be okay, everybody. Yeah, and I, I that when we were growing up, because we we're like cl- probably closest. So you're in your early forties, right? <laughs> I like myself. I love you so much. But uh, I'm yeah, gonna yeah, tell you how much I love you. I was able to, <laughs> I was able to leapfrog over those difficult years and 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 didn't quite remember thanks to cannabis sativa delta nine <laughs> indigo bud. And alcohol in junior high. We, yeah, yeah, so uh, that's... Uh, what the fuck am I talking about? 
Song number three? Song number three. We're drinking during this interview, by the way. (laughs) Number three. God, I love this. I'm I'm going back in time right now. I'm 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 on that time machine. Great choice. I want this played at my funeral. I just decided. Just now? I did. Consider it done. Alexander, you, you. you inspired me. You After inspired this, me. this guy kills me. The guy with the three names? <laughs> you, you just read my name. I got a, I got a, I got a storyline for us. I got a storyline. Why are we destroying this beautiful song with this? Shut up. <laughs> David, put your shirt back on. song well obviously where does it take you listen to that that's a flashback how the producer did that with billy joel that that's taken now i'm taking us back to back in time back into the old neighborhood you know and billy joel has talked about that and i remember as a kid going i didn't think that's so cinematic i felt it uh-huh. and i've always loved story songs yeah I wonder if Paul Simon not, so much. It, it, yeah. Right. <laughs> and now here we are. We're back in the old neighborhood. You know, things are okay with me these days. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, hearing this song for me, it, it, it puts me right in the driver's seat of my 71 Pontiac Le Mans and cruising up along Cayuga Lake in upstate New York. You're older born. than me. I like that. 64. <laughs> 1964. Yeah. 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 Fist bump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're fist bumping, baby. You're driving. Yeah. I mean, that's that that uh, great pick for You're me. driving and drinking at 14. Yeah. Well. I'm enjoying the song for the first time. So. Oh, shut up! No, really? this song will always be associated with this me? moment. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You've never heard Billy Joel's. So much content. I know. So Are you time. serious? No. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I am so glad that I introduced you to this yeah, song. Yeah, me too. I like it. I, the whole album, the Stranger album, uh-huh. is is right up there with Sgt. Pepper. Yes. Okay. It's not. Uh, Yes, it is for me personally. I was telling you off the air that your music choices that I was reading about them are kind of connected. And this song, Billy Joel wrote like the Beatles wrote Abbey Road. Yeah. Isn't that so? That's a yeah. nugget. That's that, a yeah. kidding? Oh, wow. No, is that that's, true? That's, that's a nugget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, he said this was the one song, because usually the way Billy writes is that he writes all the music first. He composes yeah. the music and then puts the lyrics in later. But this one, he had just pieces. Actually, the, the line that you hear, a bottle of red, a bottle of white, or a bottle of rosé instead, yeah. was said to him at that Italian restaurant that he's You're referring kidding. to. No, so that's where that oh, came wow. from. So he just had all these little pieces, and he put it together kind of like they do for Abbey Road. Man, it, you know, m- music and movies and comedy, it's all so, you know... It's so also powerful, and, mm-hmm. and it just it helps us all through different stages of our lives, but I think especially in those formative years. And I was a very lonely kid in a big family. Wow. Be, uh, just because, you know, like when you have that many kids, you never see your parents. <laughs> right. They're working all the time. <laughs> True. And as a kid, you don't get, you don't understand. You're just like, yeah, man. How come we're not like doing cool things like other kids and going to SeaWorld or whatever? Did you have a lot of like f- family dinners and around the table? Everyone had to sit down? <laughs> no? Okay. Fend for yourself? 
Stevie dinner, baby, oh, watching 70s. Kung Fu with David Carradine. Oh, <laughs> yes, Grasshopper. Yes, Grasshopper. Who gets to who gets to turn the uh, dial on the TV? The Who's sitting the closest to the TV to turn the dial? Oh, God. Hey, um, guess what? When you're number six, you never get to touch hell the no, dial. Hell no. <laughs> but but well, last thing about this, th- that, that album, The Stranger, that was one of those first albums where it's my choice now Ah. now i've evolved a little bit to where i know what i like and i don't like Mm. and that's part of my identity and and then we have a little we have we're part italian and so more hispanic but that was just i don't know i just i don't know it just have you ever taken that particular song alexander and and applied it to like a mixtape for a, a, a lover or like a, a acquainted it at some moment where you shared it with somebody like why that particular song was it important to add to the five just in general or because it reminds me of just being in my room and cool. being alone and just and uh, I, I liked I was so weird I would like sad or melancholy things because I often felt sad and melancholy or did you, you have know, your own room well once those f- other five jerks got out yeah <laughs> I could not wait. Yeah. What did it look like? What did you do? You have posters on the wall? Oh, yeah. What was what? Like, you know, I mean, you know, it was like uh, whatever the latest thing was with some hot blonde in a in a. You Farrah know, Fawcett. I think we had. Um, who's that? It was, Cheryl Teagues. Yeah, Cheryl Teagues. Mm-hmm. I think. I think my yeah, my brother Lewis and I had. You know, but then he would have like just you know we, he was uh, he was good weird he was cool weird like let's paint the room blood red mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's a big face of Alice Cooper like bleh, cool. and yeah, snakes yeah. and yeah you know but anyway that that was the I've never shared I no I don't think I don't think yeah. I ever, ever shared that it, with other than Maggie mm-hmm. she was my first with that yeah mm-hmm. oh, so yeah, you and I right. have that bond forever now thank right you mm-hmm. thank you very my much my gift to it's you a learning thank experience you. no I like it I enjoy it please listen to the whole album okay. I will. After I watch your movie. Yes. Yes, of course. (laughs) Fear, love, and agoraphobia first. The Night of Alexander. Song number four, shall we? Number four. Get it, baby. Get it. Can we put some volume on this a little bit, please? Oh yeah. It's the only life I know. Street life. This is badass. It this is. is a badass song. Shit, yeah. <laughs> I used to oh, have a little. David Earl Waterman is standing is on his feet dancing. He's not bad. He's not bad. <laughs> well, his stepbrothers and sisters had a lot of soul. I'm sure that's where he learned it. Oh yeah, yeah. man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Street life. Uh, I have heard this. This is a song got to go into a movie. It is. I discovered Wait. it in a movie. What is it? So the five songs. I love that you guys do that. And <laughs> I wanted to connect it to something personal to me. I, I, yeah, I watch movies like other kids watch movies. But uh, no, uh, you don't. <laughs> no, but but I didn't. I didn't watch it like. Oh, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I wasn't that kid like Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't really think of. This movie, uh, this is from a soundtrack from a Burt Reynolds movie called Sharky's Machine. That's what this is. That's such a period piece, man. (laughs) That's so great. And and I'm sorry. Watch this. Burt Reynolds directs it. 
<laughs> he chose the music for it, the soundtrack. This is the first soundtrack album I ever bought. He chose this song yes. person for Red. Yes, he and he hired the um, the band leader for Johnny from Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, to to Doc? produce the album. Doc Severinsen. Wow. Uh-huh. Oh, because I'm reading the liner notes and I'm looking at it. Like um, I went to the movie and it's the first time that I became aware of a move uh, that movies aren't just sort of like something you throw on to take boredom away. Yeah, yeah. There were. Yeah, so so this is the first movie. I mean, the earliest film that really affected me was Taxi Driver, nineteen seventy six. I had no business seeing that. But I was way too young, but I was in the theater with my, one of my older brothers, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> but but all I saw was just the actor. I never thought about was there some musicians or a composer or, and so Burt Reynolds' Sharky's Machine, which is sort of a modern day noir. Uh, detective story that is brilliant and fuck you if you don't love Burt Reynolds because he is the last movie star baby Oh, he is and I'm not just saying that because that's his last film that, that he made I haven't seen it yet but he really is the last movie star more about that later anyway get the soundtrack for Sharky's Machine it introduced me to jazz mm-hmm. I'm like much like country music I'm like ah, rock and roll that's it mm-hmm. but it just really opened up my world musically you know, I just would. I'm like, yeah, jazz is cool. The and song was called Street Life. Street Life, and the first scene in the movie, it's an aerial scene, and it's a long, long, long shot, and it and and and, you, and and you're seeing the towers. I think it's in Atlanta, and then you come closer and closer to the ground, and you see this guy walking. He's strutting through all the garbage and all that crap, and it's in a seedy part of the city. And there's my man Bert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And he's just like, and he is, man. That was he was the man, Burt Reynolds. When I was a little kid, I'm like him and Clint Eastwood. Oh man, my dad loved Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. And nice. All that. Anyway, I'm I'm geeking out with you guys. No, no that's, that's good. That's exactly yeah. what you're being. But, but a great this, soundtrack. Great oh, soundtrack. Yeah. So this is a singer, Randy Crawford. Did you go mm. more into her? Did you look more into her music, or I, did it kind of end here? Sadly, until you asked me to do this, mm-hmm. when I did this, I went. Why have I, because I'm like, is this by the Crusaders or Randy Crawford? Mm -hmm. And I looked her up on Amazon and I ordered her greatest. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Joe Williams. I did look more into Joe Williams. He's on it. Um, I did look into the Manhattan Transfer. I'd never heard of them before. Manhattan Transfer? I was a kid, man. I didn't know about anything. And that Route 66 is a classic song. But I first time I ever heard My Funny Valentine was on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the first time I heard Route 66 was... Have you ever (laughs) traveled west? Right? Who was your, your best friend in school, in high school? Joe Chavez. Oh, why? Joe Manuel Chavez. Okay. Why? How? Joe Chavez was my hero, and I can't talk about him, because okay. I will cry. He's gone. He died of pancreatic cancer a few years ago, and it's one of those emotional time bombs mm-hmm. <laughs> that will that will just go off unexpectedly. Even my dad, too. I'll think, ah, it's been enough time, and then, but he was such a great guy. We met in the first grade. He rescued me from the class bully. And from then on, we were like the best, the best guys. Like it's like on Stand Stand by Me, those kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would do those things. We grew up in an area and at a time where, hey, mom, we're gonna take off for the day. Okay. Come back when the street I, they, lights come she, on. She had yeah. no idea that we were hiking miles and miles of taking our bikes out to this scary bridge where we said the demons lived, mm-hmm. or <laughs> climbing up this, yeah. or, or we would hitchhike. Yeah. We're like, hey, let's hitchhike to the. the we're, 
Hey, what'd you do to uh, out to, to, over to Greenfield in the park over there? Just hitchhiked over there. Okay, let's just be safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be safe. <laughs> I got into a car with a strange man with three names. <gasps> David Earl Waterman, and they they were they were cool with that. <laughs> Be safe. Yeah, yeah. But that's when they could take a joke. <clears throat> but it was no joke. We did all that, and yeah. that was Joe Chavez. Like we went on. We we he helped. He just helped. He was he was my brother. Did you guys do sleepovers? Is that the thing? <sighs> Everything. I I could I could write a movie about him, and I'm going to stop now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, here we come to the end. This is song number five. Number five. Uh. I've been searching a long time. (laughs) Someone exactly like you. Waiting for you to come through Someone like you Make it all worthwhile Alex fell in Someone love Someone like you Keep me satisfied <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It's not what you would think This song Take us there, Van Morrison. It's not, yeah, Van Morrison, someone like you. It's really, uh, this was a difficult one to choose because the, the album itself, much like Stranger and Sgt. Pepper's, the album itself is so special to me. When I did my first feature film called Alvarez and Cruz with my compadre, Vince Lozano, who's a very talented actor, uh, he's Pirates of the Caribbean, he's just he's a good, great guy. We did this film, Alvarez and Cruz. We did everything together on it. We wrote it and produced it and all that, starred in it. And, you know, you know, it was a very low-budget feature. I was the editor, and um, I didn't know how to edit. I had to do it because the editor who was in place, who was another friend, he dropped out. He was supposed to originally direct it, edit it, and then it, it didn't happen. And But he had an avid editing system at the time. It was like, that was... And, um, and and he was just dragging his feet. There were compli- things he, he couldn't get it done. I'm like, we got to get this movie done. And um, and we'd shot it on on actual film. It wasn't a digital film. It was film. We shot it on 60 millimeter feature length. And I didn't know how to edit. But because of my experience in radio, I knew the basics of editing as far as, you know. And so he let me use his Avid. And I would go into his business after hours. And I would be there all night long. And it was tough at first because literally he gave me like one hour of instruction in the and, and then the instruction manual said, OK, see ya. Mm. Here are the keys. <laughs> and I'd be working all day, whatever. And then I would drive out to Orange County and then I would be at the editing bay. And I would uh, I was going through his CDs and I, I found Poetic Champions Compose by Van Morrison. And all I knew of Van Morrison up until then was Brown Eyed Girl, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and just the hits. That album, because there's jazz influences in it, and there's, God, it's so beautiful, and it's, and I was really feeling down because like, our, I'm not gonna go there. I was just feeling down, and uh, I'm like, how am I gonna? God, I wasn't supposed to do this. I was supposed to write this movie, 
with my one of my best friends, Vince, and, and produce it with him. We're going to star in it, and, th and that's it. And then I was like, okay, now I'm directing, and I'm editing. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not the guy to do this. And it wound up, you know, it just was another life lesson where it's like, it, shut up. It's, you know, it, this is on you. You got to take it. Embrace it. There's a lesson in here. It changed my life mm. completely. Alvarez and Cruz, that movie and uh, editing, it, it, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, that's where I moved out of acting and I, and I went into production. I went into editing and directing and, you know, but there was so much fear around it because it's the unknown and we lose that fearlessness that a lot of us have when we're kids, you know, and that ignorance that, you know, I'm just going to do it. I don't uh -huh. know. I'll figure it out. And I really thought I'm, I'm not going to be able to finish this and the whole movie's going to be ruined. It wasn't. And it's not a bad film at all. You know, uh, and we were in festivals and, you know, and, you know, we had film reps that wanted to rep it, but all that. And it was a good thing. It got me jobs. It, it was wonderful. But I remember those nights I would just be alone and I, it's up to me. And I felt like this is I'm going to screw it all up. And and so uh, that Van Morrison kept me company and it was and, and the, the, the lights were kind of low and it was night and it was just that mood hmm. it's kind of cool kind of wow. cool album yeah Definitely. were you living in salinas county still at this time oh no 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 oh, no okay. no this is this is no i'd already come to los angeles and i you know my day job was broadcast a broadcaster okay and then i would you know i would i was also an actor so i most of the radio stations i was at would be the nighttime jock or and I would have my days free, and then I would be have auditions and things. And mm -hmm. and uh, my friend Vince and I, we were shooting baskets one day. We'd been in this play for like oh, two freaking years, <laughs> but we had money. We we're doing national commercials and doing a little TV here and there. And then of course I was in radio, and so the money was good. And I was shooting baskets, and I said, you know what, man, I'm, uh, you know, getting these 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 uh, bit parts and things on TV is fine here and there, but I'm tired of waiting for the first movie. I'm gonna just make my own movie. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. It's just that ignorance. And he's mm -hmm. like, oh, well, wh what's it going to be about? And I go, well, I got five ideas. And, <laughs> and he said, well, what are they? And I told him. And he goes, I'll give you half the budget for any one of those. Wow. But I have to be co-writer, co-star, you know, co and so on. And I went, great, man. And he said, and we have to shoot on film. It, it has to be a real, <laughs> he's so funny. It's got to be a real movie, man. As though it's not, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not on yeah. film, uh -huh. but, 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 but at this time it was, she was just starting to, to, to go over into that now motion pictures don't have to be on, on you know, and it was accepted. In digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was still this thing almost like looking down your nose at, oh, your movies. I done. think rock stars still do that. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Mm. He does whole albums analog style. Not interesting. I love him for that. I and do he's too. such a, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He's so great as a. Music historian mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and a wonderful speaker. Uh, is he the Scorsese for rock and roll? You know how Scorsese can just talk about cinema and yeah, and he's a historian and, and yeah. he's old school in some ways. I'm so mixed on Dave Grohl. Like I just read his autobiography a couple summers ago, and it's like some of the choices that he made. I don't know a lot. Yeah, he's he's kind of self-absorbed, uh, but I, I think you kind of have to be. Yeah, but. No, I, I All agree. All I know is from he, whenever I hear him speak, mm -hmm. like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions and things, and like he's, yeah, I'm like, wow. He is Mr. Contemporary Rock and Roll. I, I love that he honors the people that came before. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
And he, he is very historic though. He took the the I don't know if you've seen the documentary Sound City, but there was like this huge board where they had so many musicians like come in and record. I mean, mm-hmm. just some of the great everything from like the Temptations to I haven't watched it, it yet. It's it's amazing. And so he has that original. So when Sound City closed, he t- he bought that huge board and it's now in his home. And that's what I heard him talk yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not that's smug. So I mean, he's smart and he's opinionated, but I've never been. He's not off-putting like some people can be when with their intelligence and their mm-hmm. awareness. Yeah, I, he's like you mean cool guy. Seems like anyway. Tangent. I've you really enjoyed these <laughs> these songs that you brought in, Alex. These are very very thank cool. You. I'm so I'm just it, thank you for your time. Thank you for allowing me to go back into memory when I sat down with these. Yeah, I really had to think about kind of a um, cool kind of a cool project. This is so awesome what you guys are doing in the format and thank you. Well, we're not done with you yet. This is the portion of the show cool. where David Earl Waterman takes over. Does he talk about fear, love, and agoraphobia? Not quite, but we can get back <laughs> on to that. iTunes. We can circle back a okay. million times. <laughs> That's right. We're going to change gears just a little bit, Alexander and Maggie, and we're going to play a game exclusive to Y-Tune Shuffle, and that mm-hmm. game is called Is It a Band Name? Or is it a bar name? <laughs> That's right, Alexander. We're going to travel all the way to Paris, France. And we're going to imagine that you, Maggie, and I have met in the lobby of the Moulin Rouge. And we're deciding where we're going to go out tonight. And I'm going to suggest a place to eat and a band to listen to. Your job, along with Maggie's, is to tell me. Which one is the name of the bar? Okay. And which one is the name of the band? Hey, guys, you want to go to Elimination Generale? Oh, my God. This is oh, going to be and, so hard. And, and, uh, and uh, check out the band Assassin. <laughs> what? Or, Assassin? Or do you guys want to go to Assassin and check out Alimentation General? Alimentation General. Which one is the band name or the bar name? It's Assassin or Alimentation General. Now, because this is in Francais, the first one, uh-huh. I can give you the first two letters, and it is, it's two words. I can give you the first two letters of the English translation of Alimentation General. I think we can figure that out. Okay. You know? All right. Don't you, you don't think, Maggie? Okay. Don't, yeah. You got I it, I right? I have no idea what this is, so we're going to play together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are we a team or am I fighting her? It's up to you guys. You can agree, disagree. I think, go ahead. No, you, please, Alimentation. the guest. General. I think it is a band. You think it's the name of a band? I was going to say... Because it is so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Assassin is the band? No, 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 no. But who's going to go to a play? Assassin is the bar. You would, David, pick a thing. Assassin. Assassin. It's in France, remember. I was going to say Elementation General was like a place, like a general store. Like that's what I would have thought. So we got a little bit of a back yeah. and forth. At this point, oh. we're gonna go. We're gonna go Are there to prizes? assassin. Uh, it's just all you ego. All the can points. Can I get bumper stickers for you iTunes? Can, you can yeah. definitely get that. <laughs> all right, time for the big reveal. We're ready. Okay, yeah. now, had you taken perhaps the English translation of alimentation Uh-oh. general, you would have learned that that means overall diet. Located at 64 Rue Jean-Pierre, Timbaud, 75011 Paris, France. I sabotaged. The concrete, it's five to ten euro to get into this club. Five to ten years? Euro. 
Euro, oh. yeah, not the franc anymore. Um, the concrete room furnished with a big convivial wooden table and the table football set. The dance floor is typically crammed, allowing revelers to get up close and personal with the acts and the food, of course, being that. What a Yelp Can I have that when we're done? Because sure. I'm going to go. Th- I want to go there. Okay. Now, Assassins started in 1985. They're a French rap group. <laughs> uh, some, some, See, some of their- that sounds so obvious. It yeah. seemed like I know. he tricked me. So, I know. Some of, some of their songs are, <laughs> are Homicide, Volontaire, Touche d'Espère. And uh, my favorite, uh, Rockin' Squat. Okay, Alexander, it's your job now to send us somewhere next week, anywhere in the world, where I can do my research and find the name of a band and a bar within the proximity of wherever you send us. Jordan. Amon Jordan? Mm-hmm. Amon Jordan. Here <laughs> we luck. go. Wow. Good luck. Uh, well, <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, that's not. I would do you it. I'm up for the Man, challenge. That's a tough one. Because there are. The, there are. I mean, there has to be. There has to be. Amon Jordan. That's Amon where we're going to go. Thank you for playing. Bad name or bar name? Bad name or bar name. Brought to you by your name here. For sponsorship information, you can email us at ytuneshuffle at gmail.com. Alex, Thank thinking you. very hard, reaching back into your memory, we would love to know the story of your very first concert tom petty wow and we were so close to the speakers it was my first big boy concert Uh uh-huh you know like wow i'm gonna you know and and uh he was awesome but i was right in front of the stacks Mm -hmm. and it was killing me yeah Mm. so it was it was cool but bittersweet yeah what's what's bad is that I was going to see him, uh, Tom Petty, at his last, you know, his last tour was, in, the last stop of his last tour was in L.A. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that was my first concert as a kid. Yeah. I want to go see Tom, and Tom Petty's still fucking rocking, man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, eh, I'll catch him on the next time around. Oops. Yeah. Oh, who who would have thunk it? Yeah. Yeah. Stan, you know, because if you maybe maybe you have this too, but every time I drive down like Ventura Boulevard, I always think of him in that song. I'm like, oh, this is is this what he was singing yes. about? You know, you mean from like uh, Free Falling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When is you that finally the song saw where he talks yeah, about yeah. the where you got to it for the first time and you're like, oh, this is it. It's a long oh. drive, to, right? Yeah. Walking Same thing with like Cheryl Crow, where she's like, all I want to do. All I want to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw her just recent, not too long ago. She's on tour with James Taylor. Just did the Hollywood Bowl last week. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because not too long ago she was there. I saw her solo for the first time. Wow. She's amazing. I'd love to check. What was the last concert you went to, the last show that you did, you saw? The last concert that I saw was, um, oh, God, what's his name? I see him in my head. He's a songwriter. Oh, that narrows and, it down. Uh, <laughs> 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 he's, not, he's not like an act that you... That's why I can't think of his name because I went, oh, that's the guy that wrote this for Bonnie Raitt and wrote this for so and so. I want to go see him, oh, yeah, and I yeah. can't think of his name right now. I just recognized the name and I went, oh, I want to see him. That and 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 then I think I saw um, Ambrosia, okay. Ambrosia, and and believe it or not, Pablo Cruz was with <gasps> Ambrosia. Of course, taking you back, baby. Way way back. Last you concert know? I saw. What was it? Paul Simon. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. did he, you're on his farewell tour? Yeah, he was just at the Hollywood Bowl, and I took my mom for her birthday to go see. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. It was, was really he fun. good? 
yeah, it was very different than what I expected it to be, but I walked away feeling like, wow, what a composer. I mean, to be able to hear individual instruments and put them together in a way that makes sense and tells a story was yeah. unreal. I've He's never incredible. experienced anything like that before. He's yeah. incredible. It was fun. What was your last show, David? Do you remember? You too. Ah, oh. uh, uh, the Pasadena at the Rose Bowl this no, last time. No, it was a couple years ago at uh, last big concert I went to a couple years ago. A buddy of mine gets tickets because um, I, I I don't really have the the energy, or at least I don't believe I do, but uh, to actually go see a concert, like, too much traffic, what? too loud, too many people. But uh, I loved it. What? And, what? Uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I don't have the energy to be entertained. The Coliseum. Well, I'm I'm at home plotting my next. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. How do we keep up with you? This is the plug section of yeah, the show. Man. <laughs> uh, you can keep up with me on. Uh, oh my God. I don't know my own. Uh, <laughs> do you have a website? Is, this is, I do. And I don't know the name of it. It's so brand new. And my, my. Can I Google web it right person, now? It's, I think it's Alex Delerma Films. My friends have been bothering me for years to yeah, do this, yeah. and I'm like, ah, I don't need to. Eh. And so, my wonderful friend James Rankin of Light Space and Time, he does all this wonderful magical stuff for Disney and those movies and web thing. He he's computer graphics designer guy. He he just did it mm. for me. Did you find it? Did you? It's Alex Delerma Films. Is that what it is? That, does it look yeah, like that's you? me. Okay. Alex Delerma. Does that look like me? I'm sitting right in front of you. No, I mean, does that look like the website that's yours? Oh. <laughs> does that look like <laughs> You mean some stalker created a, a I guess they could. They can, fan yeah. It could happen. It could happen. Alex Delerma That's why people have to be like com. Maggie Mayfield official Instagram. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can check that out or you can check out fearloveandagoraphobia.com or thecinemagym.com. There'll be links in the bio of this episode. Thank you. Thank you, Alex, for being on the show. David, thank you for being the best co host in the whole wide world. Oh, you're so Can I say one last thing? Uh huh. I know I'm going to get in trouble for so much crap that I've, you know, things I've said. This is like the last, I've done like a lot of print for Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia, lots of podcasts for Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia. I've even done a couple of on-camera things for Fear, Love, and Agoraphobia. And this is coming on the tail end of that whole we're promoting our, our video-on-demand release. Oh, great. This is it. This is the last thing. No offense to anybody else. I loved everyone else. I had a great time with everybody else. This was the most fun. Oh, wow. Thank nice you. you got, I'm like going <laughs> from the very, even before we started, I'm like, I already don't want this to end. Oh, wow. I want to get coffee with these guys. I hope he, I hope. Uh, Man, now now I'm going to be one of those maniacs that's tuning in. Thank you. You guys are good. Thank you. You Thank make you. people we just feel show. like like you really like me. Well, we're, we're we do like but you. But no, you don't. It's an yes, act. Yes, we do. Oh, that's just your talent. We're, we're, Stop it. We're in Maggie's room playing music and getting to know each other. Really? Yeah, remember how that happened in life, you know, growing up? It's mm -hmm. like playing music in the car. Playing yeah, music but we're not songs. getting high. Which, well, which is we... a good thing for me. <laughs> it's not, we're not I'm either sneaking, sneaking our parents' booze. Mm. Or one of my older brothers finding finding the million places he would hide his stash. Where is it? Yeah. What are you doing in there? What are you kids doing in there? One minute. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. 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 Quick
That was a little version of Y Tunes yeah. Improv, which I've been trying to push <laughs> on you. That was an example of how that could be. Well, thank you. Thank you. Right. David Irwin, best co host ever. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app. Or if you can't do that, a like, click, and a share on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Y Tunes Shuffle. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Maggie Mayfield, and that's been another episode. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Y-Tunes Shuffle.